0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst, Sean Oreck, and Chris Shipman to talk you through the absolute horror show that was Leicester City 5, Newcastle United nil. 0 and we may as well I don't even know where to start. I'll tell you where I'll start, lads. I was at work this morning and someone came across to me and asked the kind of typical workplace Monday morning question, did you see the football? And I didn't know what to say. Didn't know whether to be like to just to lie and be like because nah, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be talked about at all. And you know, I was just kinda of thinking, well, why would who would want to talk about that? Um, I was thinking, should I lie? Should I say I was watching something else? Do I have to get into it? Um, and it was it was basically very awkward, and, and it kind of made me realise I'm, I'm gleaning, I'm taking very little from being a Newcastle United supporter at the minute, when I just wanted to work and not think about the football. So, Sean, question for you, mate. Did you see the football of the weekend?
2: Yes, I was there, and it was my birthday, so that was a, that was a great, great day all round.
1: <laughs> Happy I birthday mean, from have- Steve Bruce.
2: Excellent. You know, I'm really pleased for him. Thank you. He's, um, I mean, fortunately, like most others, I assume, I've stopped kind of using the 90 minutes on the pitch to gauge how enjoyable a away trip is. It, you know, I probably would have stopped going quite a while ago if that was the case. So, I mean, overall, taking not quite into account some of the games, you know, a decent day out. Second time in a row, Leicester have now beaten me on my birthday, but let's, let's leave that. Maybe the hat-trick will be next year if we are lucky enough to somehow stay in the league. But, um, you know, we travelled up from London with Norman, where, you know, to be honest, even a couple of train beers didn't necessarily raise the optimism levels like it normally would. But, you know, enjoyable as train beers always are. And for anyone who subscribes to Patreon, you can listen back to our our conversation on the Match Day pod, which kind of went along the lines of, would you rather have ex-manager or Steve Bruce? Well, I drew the line at Sam Allardyce, mainly because I despised the man, but... Yesterday, you know, I'm now undecided. But anyway, something you can you can listen to on the match Day pod if you if you so wish. But we um we arrived in Leicester, did our usual regular haunt of visiting Riley's Snicker Club, otherwise Norman's Norman's family business, and followed by kind of a rain walk to the ground, which again massively didn't raise the optimism levels. But you know we we're getting to the away end. Which was wasn't good voice as always, which you know is, is quite unbelievable at times, really, when you, you think of some of the football we've had this season, and you know looking going back, but I think although we did take a slightly lower lower allocation this year, is that correct? It looked like that.
1: Would love would love to know why, because we keep taking these lower slightly lower allocations, yeah. and selling them know, out think... week, weeks in advance of the game, but anyway.
2: Yes, but I mean, still impressive numbers. I think, you know, from the people who went there on a Sunday afternoon Sky TV game, I think, you know, absolute credit to the people who did go. You know, I think most people have seen seen the game as much as we don't want to talk about it. So, you know, no reason to kind of go through the blow, bligh, blow accounts. You know, quite cry- crowd wise, we started loud with some, but not, not loads of any chance towards the first half, kind of before the sending off. Spotted the odd banner as well. But I think my main kind of take away from you know from the away crowd was probably around the 65th minute pretty much constantly until the full time whistle was kind of a rendition of who's that team we call united which just went on and on and on which was you know was very impressive it was more in defiance i think than anything you know it was what else do you do in this situation when the the whole game is falling apart in front of your very eyes it was quite a good reaction from people you know there wasn't really any anger, director or the players, it was just we're going to sing, we're here, and we're going to we're going to sing till the end. So it kind of it does kind of take us back a little bit to last season when when we were there just after a win, and we sang that, and it just shows how quickly you know things can unravel at this level, I guess.
1: Yeah, definitely. And a question I've got for you and uh, Norman, who you were with, um, rec- recorded some stuff for me to put into this podcast. I haven't had time, so I'm going to have to try and interpret. For yourself, his anger and his feelings. He was at the game with you in the away end. I liked how you basically done like that footballer Fraser. Full credit to us for going. <laughs> that kind of full <laughs> credit to us for being at the match. But you are you are absolutely right in selling out an away end, um, to follow Steve Bruce's Newcastle. I think I think every single away end has been comfortably sold out. Comfortably sold out. In fact, there's been a bit of a clamour for tickets as the game has arrived. Star contrast of home gamers, obviously. But um Norman said that he and you know, he he wanted to say that as as much as he Supported the team as much as he could yesterday. He kind of felt like singing and supporting as much as we did was a little bit um, pointless, probably because we were singing "we're shit" and we're sick of it. Fuck off, Ashley. That kind of thing. You know, uh, uh, you know. What was your take on it with Norman? Do you, would you rather that, that the away and did turn on the players and did show some vocal anger towards the management, um, or, or do you? Or would you kind of? Full, full of those people kind of thinking fuck it let's just sing and let's let's just make a noise and let's just show the world what we can do
2: i, th- I think it's a difficult one i think you know people have paid the hard and money you'll go I, I, I don't disagree with what kind of what Norman said there and that, that that literally is what's happened but i think for me it's more i guess it's a concern because it's it's tipped over past anger hasn't it it's, it's apathy that like you know okay we're here we may as well just sing instead of We've still got something in when we really want to give it to people and give it to the owner, give it to the club, give it to the manager. It's just now we're past that a little bit, which which I guess is even more of a concern, especially when you look at the home attendances. It's all playing to a kind of narrative that people are more apathetic than angry now and you know that doesn't really bode well going forward. But it's totally understandable.
1: <laughs> yeah, um and it's, it's nice to know that you saw a decent day on your birthday. Uh, Despite, well, you know, (laughs) I think I think when you say if we're lucky, we might not get relegated. I think any chance of playing that's the next season. The minute looks like it might come in league cup form, um, and would have to get past the first round of the league cup as well. So the (laughs) the chances are slim. Chris, before I ask you a proper question, did you see the football at the weekend?
3: I did. I was subjected to it in a uh, South London pub, uh, while increasingly being berated by a Millwall fan that was sat behind me. Uh, you know, just absolutely shocked and appalled at this being a Premier League side. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really didn't have too much to respond to that. In fact, by the end, you know, we were we were both uh, pretty much on the same page. And a depressing indictment of where this club has gone uh, in just seven games.
1: Definitely. And, and I suppose, Chris, the, the obvious thing to to kick off the podcast beyond Sean's birthday experience <laughs> is like, is that it? Is it just, you know, there is no more conversation about the manager? It's done. Anyone who knows anything knows that if he's in charge for a significant amount of period this season, we will be relegated. Is is that the case or do you think there is a little bit of hope yet?
3: I think even the most ardent optimist has to be questioning the appointment of Steve Bruce. Um, And Micah Richards, a bit of a cheerleader for our uh, glorious leader, uh, has said that there's no reason to panic today. That there is every reason to panic. Um, this is our heaviest defeat in four years. You have to go back to 2015 to get um, a result kind of uh, that's worth worse than this one. And I think obviously we're on this podcast the day after this game against Leicester. It's it's natural, and of course we're going to focus on that. But I don't think this is just about yesterday's absolute horror show. This is, you know, albeit a aside from, you know, pretty lucky game against Spurs, which I was, I was at, but even that we left kind of, you know, questioning how we got away with that. This, this feeling about Steve Bruce, and you've really seen it both in the papers and from fans over the last kind of nearly 24 hours, isn't just about this Leicester game. This is about where he has taken us over seven games of football. And, you know, we don't have time to get this right. People are saying, oh, it's only seven games. You know, The, the side can improve. These are good players. Um, they need to get used to his ways. And even Steve Bruce himself, and I know that we'll probably get on to his post-match comments, but even Steve Bruce himself has has kind of peddled this absolute lie that he's only been here for a couple of weeks. Um, but we don't have time. Um, if you look at the fixture list before the end of November, um, the teams that we are playing, we've got Manchester United at home, Chelsea away, Wolves at home, West Ham away, which I somehow and for some reason have a ticket for. Um, Bournemouth at home, Aston Villa away, and Mad City at home. How, how many points are we going to get from those games? Maybe two if you're optimistic from um, Bournemouth and Villa. Um, and that puts us on, I think, seven points from 14 games, which <laughs> is more than a third of the season gone. And for this club, it's a club of this history and kind of this size to be in that position is... Absolutely uh, bonkers. And Steve Bruce is already throwing his players um, under the bus, and talks in the press today about expletive written outbursts and the Telegraph, and accusing players of hiding behind him, uh, knowing he'll take the flak. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're already throwing your players under the bus after seven games and forging that kind of oppositional uh, strategy, you know that's you know, that's pretty damning. Um, and of course, there are, there are statistics going around about him having. Uh, the worst record uh, of any Premier League manager that's managed more than 300 games uh, in, in the Premier League of all time uh, and against uh, such illustrious figures as Joe Kinnear, uh, Tony Pulis, Alan Kervishly and the like. He's worse than all of them. Um, and yeah, OK, you know, I've just ranted here about Steve Bruce and where this club has gone under his uh, management. But let's not forget that there's, there's an overarching uh, uber figure here that is the kind of, is the real cause of this, which is Mike Ashley uh, and the disgusting custodianship of this club. This is at his door. Um, Steve Bruce is um, the current incumbent of that hot seat but there are other managers before uh, and unfortunately there may be other managers after that are going to be hampered by the way that he runs this club. So yes, yeah, Steve Bruce is, uh, you know, has to be uh, looking nervously at that exit door and waiting for that uh, P45 to slam on the, on the doormat to kind of mix my metaphors here. Um, but this is also my Ashley's fault.
1: Very well said, and obviously I can't disagree with any of what you've said there. You're absolutely spot on. Uh, before I have my say, Sean, uh, you know, what was the feeling like in the UN towards the manager yesterday, and is there anything that you would disagree with Chris there on, or has he got it spot on for you as well?
2: No, no, he's absolutely got it spot on. I think, you know, like he says, when it, when I was, and again, when I was there in a, a third relegation in 12 years, I think you know, there's a call it a five live, I think, yesterday evening, of it. one of the fam- our fans, doing the rounds, I think, on social media, sums it up very well, it, it, it does lay massively, at Ashley's door, it was more, the, it was more directed, at actually, the, the kind of, the chance, that I, personally, from my bit, didn't you, a, a lot of people, shouting at Steve Bruce, oh, it wasn't very audible, certainly from our standing, but again, it's, it goes past all of that, we don't change, we don't change owner, we don't, you know, we're only going to go one way, and it's, I think people, nobody's surprised about this. It, it was always going to happen. You know, if you replace one of the best managers in the world with someone who's severely limited and not very good, even at championship levels, this this is just what happens. It's not a shock. No one's surprised about it, and it's just playing out.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's what I'll be saying to Micka Richards when he says there's no, there's no point parking yet. It's all right for you to say, Micka, You don't pay to watch them. <laughs> You didn't go to Leicester, <laughs> yeah. like it's all right. This, you know, and that's why this kind of, you know, Sam Allardyce today, the headline on Twitter, or whatever, was Sam Allardyce says that he's pleased he didn't take the Newcastle job. That's the Newcastle job, by the way, which the club claim he wasn't offered. Um, and it's like you can't say you're pleased not to take it, and also say Steve Bruce is doing a good job. Uh, you know, Jeff Stelling coming out saying it's it's the players, it's not Steve Bruce. It, it, it's just. It's becoming harder and harder for people in the media. Like, you know, how many game, how many games do you give them before you panic? Twenty? Do we get, do we get relegated? And then go, ah, oh, well, you know, Steve Bruce wasn't the best idea. Like, th- this is leadership from the club has has to come on this. And we're seven games in, and you know what? You say that Chris that we might get only have seven points from fourteen. We might beat Bournemouth at home. You know, we might we might get something against Man United, West Ham. have had a great start of the season, but Oxford did them four nil and. You just never know, but, but but my feeling is that whatever happens in any individual games, we've seen so much total, just absolute confusion, confusion that you that I've never seen at this level of football. In fact, any level of football, I've never seen such confusion from a group of players on a football pitch before in these seven games, and and that's that's the worrying thing. So any individual miracle results, or even if United turn in a decent performance against Bournemouth and win 2-1, like we did last season, I think everyone listening to this knows knows that will be a temporary fix rather than a long-term solution. We have seen no improvement, not one single bit of improvement from any player, any player this season. Every single player has gone backwards. Sean Longstaff, Sean Longstaff is a shadow a shadow of the play was saw last season. Why was he brought back in today? Why was he brought straight back into that squad after missing two, two games with an ankle injury? He looked, he looked unfit. He looked off the pace. He didn't look like a Premier League footballer. And we all know he is. We know he is. And that I just feel these, these small decisions that Bruce makes have a, have a knock-on effect on the rest of the team. So it wasn't a surprise to see Isaac Hayden. This isn't working, Isaac Hayden. You know, that's what he was saying last week. That title was a disgrace. That title was a disgrace, and he, and he proper hung his manager and his teammates out the dry. But that, that, that isn't the main issue from yesterday. So my, my point is, that you can look at individual moments, you can look at individual players, you can look at individual games, and you can say, well, Brighton, were, we're shite, but we didn't get beat. Norwich, oh, we'll beat Man City the next game. Th- there's always going to be an underlying kind of story to this season, and that's that Newcastle are really, 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 really shit. Chris, you want to say something?
2: Yeah,
3: I was just going to say something that you went on to, which or alluded to, which was that you know just eight competitive games ago, you know these players were functioning, you know most of them, pretty well under Rafa Benitez. I know that people are saying we shouldn't be talking about Rafa. We should move on. Of course, yes, okay, that that is done. That is unfortunately in the past. But I think what was really kind of shocking for me yesterday, watching just the basic errors for players. Or from players that were so well drilled under Rafa Benitez, there is no way that last season, you know, most of those uh, errors would have happened. The way that they didn't track Ricardo uh, for for his opener, the lack of tracking Pavard's header, um, you know, they're just two really obvious examples. But where how these players have gone from where they were before the summer to now, it's it's shocking. It's it's really really worrying.
1: That's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> It's, it's, it's not that we haven't improved since the previous manager left, it's that we've regressed so, so quickly. is isn't you know, particularly hard, I mean, start the season, a lot of Premier League games are hard. Leicester always a hard game in the Premier League, won it last season. But you know, Leicester have improved since then, Re- Rodgers is doing a good job. You know, Leicester away is a hard game, Spurs away is a hard game, and uh, Liverpool away is a hard game. But Brighton at home, Norwich away, Watford at home. We were outplayed in all those in, in all those games, and th- this is the second away game of the season. Where, like you say, Chris earlier on, that he has come out and questioned the players publicly after seven games. That that's not that's not all right. This isn't this isn't normal. This isn't teething problems. This isn't you know new manager, new reign, new ideas type thing. This, this is a, a manager publicly asking questions of his players. And I want to get into a little bit, lads, that that the, the things Bruce says. Particularly post game, and yes, Arsenal's like me are going to try and scrutinize everything when you're losing games regularly, like we are, and you're playing really, really bad- badly, like we are. It's it's just like, you know, Rafa Benitez, and again, he's come up, Chris, you're right, we wanted to move on, but it's very hard to move on when the team is doing so much worse than it was this time, well, at any, at any point in the past three and a bit seasons. You know, very, Rafa Benitez is very, very controlled, very meticulous with his answers, very. You know, he planned what he was going to say before going into press conferences. He always said the same thing. It's about the next game. It's about the next game. He didn't big up players too much. You know, someone would try blowing, I don't know, smoke up Solomon Rondon's arse, and he'd say, you know, he can still improve. He's working hard in training. He's working hard on the pitch. we we'll want to see more from him. And I know that might not sound like a lot, but at least it was consistent. And in the end, you have to say, his man management results were spectacular over that three-year period. At the minute you got Steve Bruce going to do an interview after the game yesterday. First interview, I think, was for Sky Sports, saying that the it was unfair to say that the team threw in the towel. The towel unfair. Next interview he does, the players surrendered. It was worse than terrible. It, it's two completely contradictory statements. It's like he doesn't know what he's going to say before he's asked. Now am I am I bothered about what Steve Bruce does in press conferences? Not particularly. It well, may sound like I am now because I'm picking on them so much. Does Steve Bruce, I'll open the question to you lads, does Steve Bruce look like a man who thinks he has the answers? Does he look like a bloke who's like, it's okay. Like Rafa Benitez last season, we're doing badly, no wins in 10 games. we stay calm, we'll look at the next game, we'll keep doing what we're doing, we keep training, it will be okay. We will pick up results. That calmness exuded across the whole club and the fan base. Yes, there was lots of criticism. You know, we lost at home to Brighton last season. Played better than Brighton, but we lost at home. A lot of criticism. Lost at home to, to West Ham. I no, it wasn't during the win, this so a lot of criticism. So it wasn't like Rafa Benitez was immune, but his sense of purpose and his sense of we know what we're doing as a backroom team, the players know what they're doing, the players will get better, we will get better. Everyone was able to buy into that. I don't see any of, or hear any of that message from Bruce. And what, what my worry is, is because the performances are so bad, do you think that he himself believes he's going to get us out of this mess? Uh, Sean, I'll start with you.
2: Sure, i to no. I mean,. <laughs> You know there was reports reports today of you know the lads aren't in training today because Steve couldn't guarantee he wouldn't explode with rage again. Talk of kind of meetings with the play only the players taking place later on in the week. It's very it's very difficult to come back from that. I mean I I struggle to name any managers. I mean even the end of end of Mourinho's reign at kind of Chelsea and Man U when he starts digging out the players like that. It's very hard to come back from that because the modern game players don't. That's not how you motivate players and it never has been for a number of years so he did look like a man without any answers You kind of you resort to those things when you've exhausted all of your other options it's your last resort and you pretty much know it's going to fail it doesn't work that way so I wish I, I don't see how he how he pulls this back
1: Chris same question do you, do you do you think Steve Bruce genuinely believes he's going to turn this around himself
3: I think he's got to be starting to question the wisdom of, uh, of, of joining uh, the club, to be honest. I mean, I think one of the things that as fans that we all love about football, perhaps more than any other sport, is the emotion of it. And it's completely right. that As a fan, you lurch from moment to moment and the highs and the lows. And that's what makes it so compelling as, as a as a spectacle, as something to kind of invest your whole being into, as we do. But I think from from a professional and a manager, you shouldn't have that emotion. Yeah, of course, you should celebrate goals here and there, and you, you're going to be disappointed. But when you're trying to get 30 professionals or 25 professionals all pulling in the same direction, particularly from a situation that has had huge, huge change, you shouldn't be emotional like that. You, I think what Rafa did was completely right in that scenario where he was kind of, the foundations at Newcastle were so shaky that he needed to offer that stability. Nothing has changed in that respect. You know, if anything, the foundations have got even shakier with all this talk of kind of takeovers and everything uh, like this. So I think Steve Bruce's huge mistake. And I think I would question kind of any manager in, in this position or a similar position that acts like this to be emotional in such a kind of precarious situation. Is you know, for me, that's kind of getting towards uh, terminal. Uh, for me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's natural and understandable, and you would expect that a footballing professional who, yeah, has had a degree of, uh, I should say, degree in kind of air quotes, degree of success in that he's managed in the Premier League over 300 games, his win record, it's its he's going to believe in himself to a point. But, yeah, even he must be questioning this.
1: I think that's really well said, and Chris Woff, who was guest on the podcast last week, has written in his piece for The Athletic Today that Bruce looked visibly emotional in his press conference with those lads, the, the kind of local media, um, and, and it, it came across like that after the game. He, he seems to, to have been taken by surprise. This is me worry, right? He's been taken by surprise about how how bad it's got, how quickly, And how negative the whole... Not just the results of the first team. The whole football club is in a negative, awful spiral. Yes, we're still on our way We'll always do that. But crowds will soon drop below 40,000 at St James's Park. I think that the match-going support home, in a way, has been incredibly kind to Bruce. Incredibly supportive. No-one's turned on him. No-one's called him names. No Bruce-out chance. I mean, that won't last forever. However, But... It, this is a guy who's already struggling, allegedly, emotionally, with what's going on. How is he going to manage? How is he going to manage when the shit really hits the fan? How is he going to manage with what Steve McLaren, Alan Pardew, John Carver had to put up with inside the ground? Quite rightly, by the way, on all occasions. And I, and I just worry, like, have we got a manager here? Have we got a manager who, who like you correctly say, Chris, who's, who's able to detach himself emotionally from what's going on and, and really plan and produce results? Because... Everything we've seen so far. In fact, I'll say it now: every game will get worse. Every game. The only game where you can obviously claim that we got we got better at was Spurs away, which we did from from Norwich. And this is this idea of less training, more training. You know, punishments, rewards, training, training, training. Like it. It, it just seems like a throwback, doesn't it, from another era? Get the lads in training because they were shite. These have been shite. Lads have a day off. Like what? What is it? <laughs> You know, am I reading too much into that? Because it just seems like a coach and staff who don't know how to get anything from this group of players. And if you, you know, you look at the, the, the games we've had, I mean, Watford were, were very poor against a, an awful Watford side. And every other game apart from Spurs, we've been comfortably second best by some distance in the game. And what concerns me a lot about yesterday is that forget about, right, we capitulated second half. The players threw the towel and it wasn't good enough. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're so poor. Eleven v eleven. We started all right. We started all right. You know, Joe doesn't touch the ball in the opposition penalty area. Um, Leicester score a, a pathetically easy goal. Great finish, but pathetically easy goal. Defending terrible. And and for Steve Bruce in, in the aftermath of that to say we looked like getting back into the game to me is just an absolute farce. Now he might have to say that because he's got to stand there and answer, and answer questions at a very difficult time. But we, we we look, we are a dream to play against. If if I was, you know, Jesse Lingard or some player from Man United, I would be desperate to play against us next Sunday. You know as a centre-back that we're, we're likely going to have one, possibly two shots on target, if that's probably from outside the box. You know you're not really going to get turned around and have to face your own goal. You know you're not really going to have to defend that much in the six-yard box. As a goalkeeper, you've got a fantastic opportunity to get a clean sheet. As a striker, you will get chances against us. Definitely, we. You know, I wonder what Brendan, Brendan Rodgers, how he prepared for that game yesterday. What, what did he think that we were going to do? That could hurt them because I can't think of anything. You know, what I mean, don't worry, lads. Johnny Evans, right? Joe Linton's probably going to get fired balls about seven foot high, sixty yards from the goal. Um, non, the, the other two forward players will be about 40 yards apart and, and Isaac Hayden will just be going around trying to snap people um, Paul Dummett will be playing left back hasn't played left back in about two years but he's going to be playing left back rather than centre back um, and he can't you know, get, run with the ball or, 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 or attack whatsoever you know, it, it, we are just an absolute dream to play against and you know, again I'm maybe hyper analysing here but the fact that Bruce calls all the players like Big Andy, Big Martin, Big Jamal, Big Joe it's just so far removed from Rafa Benitez. And maybe that is a total irrelevance. Maybe that has been so harsh. But when you look at the absolute like lack of professionalism in the rest of the team and these performances and the lack of structure and the lack of planning and all the things that we are used to as Newcastle United fans over the past two seasons, you start to feel like not only is this guy floundering big time and is the team floundering big time. You know, pre-game, watching the game on Sky pre-game and the Sky interviewer says to Steve Bruce, so Steve, you've... Um, <laughs> You've 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 changed formation for this game, and he has a little wry smile to himself and a laugh, and then, and then talks about front foot football and attacking football like he's done on several occasions. This this is like next level stuff of just absolute mirage. I don't know what is going on in his head when he wants to talk about front foot attacking football. Have a bit of a go, and then to see what happens on the pitch is so far removed from what's in you know his vision or his head. It's quite scary to think that you know he, he could he could think remotely like yesterday, was going to go any other way than it was. And when he talks about Muto's chance, and he should have put it away, and if that goes in, it's not a chance. It's a terrible shot from Isaac Hayden, who should be crossing anyway. Uh, it would have been a hugely for two just go, oh, yeah, Muto should do better. But to, to point to that that is some sort of kind of evidence that it was working 11 v 11, you know, I, I'm, I'm running out of words. So, Sean, the formation change, you know, were you happy enough when you heard that in Riley's pre-match? Um, do you think that actually Steve Bruce... Front foot mags attacking football. We could have seen a bit of it if it wasn't for the red card. Or do you take a different view?
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, we, me and Norman kind of before the team came out discussed the formations. We had Norman, to be fair, got it right in terms of what what had actually transpired, and it tallied with Bruce's earlier comments about having a go. But I just think you know to, to come to Leicester and effectively try and play a more open game to a, to a good a way to a good side it create lots of chances when as a team, you aren't playing well anyway. And clearly, as we you know touched on before, struggle to adapt to constant formation changes, both from game to game and often during the game, is just madness. You know, I think, I do think it kind of, in a way, suggests a manager who's not looking at the season as 38 games, he's he's instead, he has reacted to the pressure, he's taken a punt. But, you know, that stuff like that doesn't cut it at this level. You know, if it was... If We're looking at this game to me seriously and saying I've got a whole season here. You would be thinking five at the back, you keep it tight, you try and stifle Leicester, like what we did last season. You stay in the game and you look to use your quick players on the break. We just we didn't we didn't do that, and it's such a big risk. You're basically saying you have to get an early goal, or this just goes wrong very quickly. And shock, already right, it did go very wrong very quickly. I think the um. I mean, we do talk a little bit about formations, but, you know, having said that and we've said it, if you make so many individual errors and you can't keep a hold of the ball, I think one of the big things, certainly, from being at the game and you notice this a little bit more than you do on TV is the way the shape's set up. So, mutu and Almiron tried their very best to press the ball in Leicester's half, but they did it on their own. Now, you you can't do that on your own. Good teams will just pick you off and pass you away and you're out of the game instantly. And they're, they're the type of things that you... You work on on the training ground and you get well drilled, and it's very evident just watching that 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 didn't happen. So I think you know the talk about the red card we've obviously talked about it earlier. You know it's certainly not down the red card was we a second best before that. And in fairness, no one's used that after the game as an excuse, which you know I'm a little bit surprised actually. I thought that might happen, but you know I think the most disappointing for me formation wise is you get the one nil down ten minute half time. He's got fifteen minutes to have a word with them. Maybe maybe say let's let's shut up shop, let's concentrate, defend properly. Maybe switch to five at the back. You know, none of that happened from where I was standing. We we basically just cracked on. I mean we ended up with we ended up we ended up with Yedlin coming on and basically playing right wing. We had two right backs on the pitch at one point. I think, you know, Fulatis has come back from injury for five months. Again, what was the point? <laughs> I really don't know.
1: That was worrying. Yeah, you're spot on there, and and for me, you're correct to mention last season's victory at Leicester. It was only a couple of months ago, and there, there's the template. Same manager, a lot of the same players. There's the template. In fact, a lot of the same players. One of their one of their players was playing for us. So we know a lot about him. There's the template. Watch that video. Speak to the lads. Great night. Fantastic atmosphere in the way and let's go and do it again. If that's, if that's not that I'm, you know, a, and a football manager or ever have been or will be, but I'll be saying, right, lads, you, you've done this before. You've got nothing to fear. You've done this. Defend well. Keep, you know, first 15, 20 minutes. They're going to have all of the ball. It's absolutely fine. Uh, and we're going to hit them on a the counter-attack and, and put into practice what we've been training all week. I've got no idea what Newcastle did on the training ground last week. But, you know, I'm not against the idea of a change of formation. I kind of feel that Bruce has come in and, and, you know, all of us as fans and myself in particular would have raised real eyebrows if he drastically changed formation. But that formation last season was a very kind of short-term solution by the previous manager to our issues. You know, he he played against Chelsea at home, went back to four at the back, and I think it was that three-game... In fact, we we might have beat Watford and Bournemouth at home last season playing four at the back. It was only when we went to Burnley for that massive win, played three centre-backs... Key and Dilmy were excellent in front of the back, the back three with the two wing wing-backs, Richie playing wing-back. That was a solution which, which, which Rafa was able to find because of Salman Rondon and Jose Perez in particular. Bruce doesn't have those players, so I'm not against him trying something different, but Leicester away was not the game, not the game to chuck out all of your tactical preparation for the season so far to fuck it off. For Leicester away, who are like third in the league, That, that you, have, you have to question the decision making. And, and, you know, these are the Steve, Steve, Steve and Steve, the, the coaching staff of Steve's. Did one of the other Steve's not say like, well, OK, Steve, <laughs> don't know which Steve he's talking to here. It's hard to keep track, but OK, Steve, <laughs> you know, we actually, this group of lads achieved a spectacular result here a few months ago for straight and Leicester, keeping them back and not playing front foot football. Uh, you know, Leicester under Rogers have had a couple of ropey home results since he took over and, and they kind of run out of ideas quite quickly. And that, that may be unfair based on Leicester this season, but it's certainly something that they could have considered. And instead you've got the manager pregame talking about front foot football again. It's again it's it's so it's so pathetically bad when you look at the results, you look at what transpired, you have you have to question whether whether these people have the ability at this level to 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 be able to tactically set up a side that that's kind of the basics. You need to be tactically set up right and then it's over to the players. And, and if they're not technically celebrating, if the players don't believe in what they're doing, you don't have a chance. And, and Chris, I want to come to you on that. Talking of the players, you know, we're all at Steve Bruce here, all of us, and I'm sure everyone listens the same. Do, do the players need to take some responsibility for this and how much? And I, I'll ask you about Isaac Hayden to begin with.
3: Um, I think they do obviously need to take some responsibility and you're right, you know, to mention Sean, the the win against Leicester last season, which, which we've discussed, but yeah, poor all over the park. To start with Isaac Hayden, an absolute moment of madness, and a lot was said uh, at the end of last season, beginning of this season, about Isaac Hayden having learned uh, from what happened at Cardiff uh, last year. Um, but this challenge, naive at best, I think, to, to, to be incredibly kind to him, naive at best, but you just can't do that anymore. Despite what Robbie Savage says, uh, for attention on phone-ins. Uh, you can't do that anymore. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't the only one. I mean, that kind of did definitely hamstring us, and you saw those kind of heads drop. Um, but there are other players that, unfortunately, you have to kind of pick out. craft um, not good enough this level. We've seen nothing from him aside from um, balls blazed over the bar. Um, and, you know, back into the side uh, with the switch to back four. I'm glad that DeAndre Yedlin is back. Um, he's obviously not match fit, but I mean, you know, Kraft is making no... Um, he's making a very bad fist at kind of getting that squad place. Uh, and yeah, Yedlin is is infinitely uh, superior to him. Um, Martin Dubravka, uh sorry, Charlotte, uh, I'm sure you're listening. Uh, I know you love him, but he really should have done better. And to be picking the ball out of his net five times, it's not just his ability as a keeper, as a shot stopper, but one of the things that we saw from him under Rafa Benitez was the way that he could marshal the defense and the way that he wouldn't shy away from ordering players around players heads dropping. Uh, he was one of them unfortunately. And yes, yeah, so that was very unlike him. Um, Sean Longstaff, um, you know, relatively unfit and you know, partly him, partly the way it was set up was played too deep. um, Christian Atsu tried, but was easily muscled off the ball and had no support from those around him. You know, going up against those defenders, I, Christian Atsu has played very well. Um, you know, in fits and starts this season, but he's not a player that's going to kind of going to lift an entire side. Um, but had no support from from his colleagues, uh, and then Gillington, uh one touch in the box and kind of rightly hooked. Um, yeah, I mean, there's very little to kind of be positive about in terms of the playing personnel for me.
1: And you saw that from Joe Linton when he had a right, I think the best phrase would be a right fucking go at Sean Longstaff for putting a shit ball in the box in the second half. And he was basically like, I think I can't read very well, but he basically like, Sean, what, what was that? <laughs> like, what was that? We've got this rare occasion to get the ball in the Leicester box and what have you just done? And I don't know whether that's a good thing or it's a negative thing because you don't want to see players having a go with each other. But at least it, it kind of shows that Joe Linton's like, Jesus Christ, like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with service like that? The players are so far away from each other all over the pitch. there are no partnerships you know when I've said it before when your best player is Christy Na, and I like Christy Natsu when your best player of the season so far has been christy Nat you've got real problems you know um, why is Alvin playing on the right? Never played then in his, his career supposedly why is he playing on the right in midfield What you know long staff, out for two weeks, really weird, blocking the ball um it's uh <laughs> All these selection things, you know, you think longstaff. Why, why bring him straight back? Would key be such a bad option? Would it have gone so? You know, key was brilliant against Leicester, brilliant back in April, man of the match. Um, you know, I, I just, the, the, why bring Kraft in? Was Mankio so bad against Brighton? I mean, we were, everyone had a bad game against Brighton, but I thought he was all right. You know, the, the, it just seems to be such muddled thinking all over the pitch that I genuinely and I. I I'm probably going to stop saying this soon, but I feel sorry for the players. Going on that pitch, I don't think any of the players thought they could win that game yesterday. And, you know, you look back as, as Newcastle United fans to, to things that we've all seen in recent memory. And this is making Steve McLaren's tenure look good because at least under McLaren, we're, we're all right in the few games that were won. You know, at least we scored some, you know, beat Norwich 6-2 and you know, a few other decent home wins. Generally terrible apart from that. And he was rightly sacked um, miles too late. I just think that, that Newcastle side then would, would probably beat us now quite comfortably. That, that's how bad we are. And you know, there's been a lot made about about the lack of goals when you've got Joe Linton, one goal, Almiron, zero goals, Christian Atsu. I don't know how many prominent goals he's got, but uh, you know, not many. <laughs> how how we're we gonna who are we gonna beat? Who 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 is that strike force going to beat? Who, you know who would Mudo. Zero goals or one one Premier League goal. Who who you know? What why would those players all of a sudden start scoring? Kind of five, ten, fifteen Premier League goals, and it becomes mathematically impossible to stay when you start looking at it like that. And we're in. I mean, we're not even we're not even in October, and we're seven games in, and we're talking about relegation already. And and I look at the rest rest of the Premier League. I'd be interested to, to Think you know? Get what, what you lads think about this. Listen, you know the. When we went down last time in 2016, Aston Villa, fucking terrible, long gone. There were other terrible sides, but you no know, Norwich and Alex Neal, couldn't stop conceding goals. Um, then, you know, Sunderland were terrible, had to play Adam Johnson and bring him back just to try and stay up. And we all know what you know how that ended up and what kind of decision that was. I look at the other Premier League sides this season and I think, you know, Aston Villa, they look quite good. They look all right. You know, all of the players play for the manager. Um, they've spent some money. They'll spend again in January. Norwich look really bad away from home, but look like a real threat at home and, and can't score a lot of goals. Brighton played us off the pitch. Southampton are picking up results. Wolves have drawn a lot of games, but they'll come good. Sheffield United keep winning games, and, and their managers kicking off at them. We're not playing very well. Who 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 are we better than? You know, I mean, apart from Watford, but you know, Watford have already sacked their manager. They're so bad. You know, Chris. You know, last kind of thing from you is there is there anyone you think? that what capable of finishing above from what you've seen so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, at the start of the season, I think it was Mickey was saying, you know, we're already at the point. I think it was a couple of games in of of looking for three worst sides. And as you rightly say, you know, who are those three sides? Um, Watford, as as bad as they are, and uh, they're so bad that they've sat their manager, you know, just a few games into the season. I think it was four games in and replaced him with the former manager. You know they have good players. I I think that they will, you know, if not get out of it, I think they will start picking up points. And I, my worry is that, okay, yeah, they might not pick up enough points to get above that that really important line, but they're going to pick up points at a faster rate than we do based on these current performances. Um, it is really really worrying. And we talked about Steve Bruce at the start, and just to kind of bookend this slightly and kind of finish almost where we started. Feasibly, you know, we. I don't think we will get rid of Steve Bruce. Mike Ashley doesn't seem to be that kind of owner, but we could get rid of him. But the worry of who you would have to come in, we got almost well, we got lucky last time in that Rafa Benitez was available. And for some bizarre perverse reason, willing, and he nearly kept us up, but who is the person that could come in and and do something like that again? And obviously uh, more successfully. I I don't know. I'm incredibly, incredibly worried.
1: Yeah. Uh, well said and I wish I wish I wish I could be more jovial I wish I could make more jokes about this situation but it's so grim and, I, and Sean I, I feel for you yesterday and, and everyone else who spent time and money in the piss and rain going to watch that absolute shower um, final final word to you Sean that, you know, as someone who was at the game is that the worst you've ever seen from Newcastle United in the flesh?
2: It's certainly up there yeah and I think just to kind of follow on from what Chris was saying I mean you know Looking at you know, you look at the table. You could say we've we've got five points, we're point off safety, and most of the teams. You know, we're not in points terms far away from a lot of the other sides, but the actual background to that is we've scored four goals in seven games, which only Watford have done that. Everyone else has got more than that. We don't we don't really score goals. We don't create a lot of chances. We're kind of the worst in the league on things like possession, passes in the final third. So. You talk about and struggles, you can kind of understand, and it's how you find a way out of that type of stuff. Is it, it going forward makes it even more difficult. And teams, you know, everyone's got access to these stats. Teams know that, and teams teams will know that when they come to play us, and we'll always have that confidence that yes, that we're looking forward to playing you, and that's that's where I struggle. But yes, yesterday was pretty grim. But never mind, I will be going again. And so I'll
1: laugh, as I'm sure. <laughs> well, on that cheery note from from Sean's eternal yeah. support for the for, for Brucey's boys, we'll call it a day there. Thanks <laughs> thanks so much to you two lads for taking the time to, to relive that one again. Just about to go and um, drink a pint of bleach to etch it from my memory <laughs> for good. Uh, thanks, everybody, to listen. It might have been a tough listen. We hope you enjoyed the show. We're going to have loads more on Patreon this week. Uh, can't wait. And uh, we'll be back with a free podcast Um when we get beat 3 in at home by Man United next week. Thank you and goodbye.